Off to our tour. In for Zardes! It had eyes! Glory to Columbus! Go, go Columbus! Glory to Columbus! Here we go! Hello and welcome to the Crew Review, a Columbus Crew postgame show where me and another writer from Massive Report review the crew. I'm your host, Andrew Atkins, and joining me today is a very special co-host. He's a writer from Massive Report. He's a self-described nerd. He's a student at the Ohio State University. He is none other than Drew Nickham. Drew, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? You know, uh... If you asked me 45 minutes ago, I'd say I'm, I'm a little downtrodden and frustrated, but <laughs> right now I'm feeling swell. You know, uh, actually, Drew, I think you're my first co-host that's ever asked me how I'm doing, too, so it took me a little off guard. I appreciate that. Well, I'm glad I could show this little bit of kindness. <laughs> well, Drew, introductions out of the way. We have to get right into our first segment of the night. It's a little thing I like to call emotional overreaction. So what I want you to do, Drew, is... Shut off that analytical side of your brain, reach down into your heart, pretend that you're on Twitter, and just spew out the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh, okay. Until the playoffs, I won't make any prediction related, though, but in the rest of the regular season, the crew will not lose another game. I like it. My emotional overreaction at this point is the same thing. We're not losing. We are playing awful first halves, but we're coming through every second half and we are doing what we need to do we are scoring multiple goals columbus crew will not lose the game i'm gonna go further you said you're not gonna make a a pick until the playoffs we're winning the cup baby we're winning the supporter (laughs) shield and we're uh we're doing it in the covid world where of course columbus can't turn out in full force to support it (laughs) so that would be fitting it would it's the most columbus crew thing ever emotions out of the way we're going to get in to the crew review for Columbus Crew SC taking on the team that tried to steal our color scheme, Nashville SC. So the starting 11 for tonight's matchup. Uh, again, Columbus go into a match. The, like I said, the only thing consistent about the starting 11 for Columbus is it's inconsistent. I don't know <laughs> that we have played the same lineup twice. And tonight it's, again, all over the place. Uh, in goal, we have Eloy Room. He's been consistent as long as he's healthy. He's there. Uh, for defense, we have Milton Valenzuela. We have uh, Abubakaita, the captain, Jonathan Mensa, and Harrison Awful. So Abubakaita being the change there, we're used to seeing Williams in that role. Defensive midfield, we're uh, lining up the same way as last week with Artur and Alashe. Uh, Lache has been filling in for Nagby while Nagby's hurt. Moving into the attacking midfield, we have Mokhtar starting again. We have Santos starting in. We have Diaz starting again. And the tip of the iceberg, the one and only Jossie Zardes. What did you think about the lineup when you saw it? So uh, if I recall correctly, there were only two changes, which was 
uh, Keda and uh, Mokhtar, it, it was when I first saw it, I, it was great to see Mokhtar back in the lineup because I know he usually has just that extra creative touch on the wings uh, that usually helps the crew. Um, you have to feel bad for Alashe because I, we were discussing this. I mean, you love to see him get game time, but if he's in the midfield in the lineup graphic, you know it means that Darlington Nagby's not playing. Right. It's almost unfair because he's doing a serviceable job. He's doing a good job. But unless you're phenomenal, you're a step down from Darlington Nagby. The other thing in the lineup that's worth noting is on the bench, Lucas Zellerian available for the first time in several matches. Yes, so glad to have him back. I I can't wait for him to get actually be starting again and just to have his creativity the entire match. It's been sorely missed. What to say about the game, you know? We have seen this happen. Uh, I'd say this is the fourth straight game where we come out and we play a first half that's just subpar. I think subpar is the most fitting word for it. I would, I would agree. Um, for anyone that's been a fan of Ohio State football this last decade, this is a thing you're very used to, where for some reason they just don't play the first half, and then the second half they decide we know how to play the sport. You know, it's something where, it's something where in the past few games, I think we've seen around the 30th minute mark or the 35th minute mark, we've seen crew really start kicking into gear. And you enter halftime usually hopeful that a goal is on its way. Today, I wasn't quite sure. Even going right up into halftime, I didn't feel that hopeful. I didn't see a whole lot of creativity. Again, the lack of Darlington Nagby is so notable in the way we are playing right now. Uh, I I noticed, I think uh, Neil Sika said, 43% was our possession tonight. That is a huge drop-off from what we're used to seeing with this crew. Yeah, it it was very weird the possession level especially because especially in the second half it seemed like the crew were controlling the game most of the time but low possession um generally low passing especially in the first half it was it was just all around mediocre in the first half it was and you know we had a couple of build-ups that were pretty decent but they kept just fizzling out into nothing uh we had santos with a fantastic threaded through ball to diaz and diaz bursts down the pitch. He gets the low cross into Jossie, but it's way too far ahead of him. And Jossie's good at getting into position. That one was a complete Diaz thing. He overshot it. And we saw that a lot where we would have chances when we got into the final third where just a heavy foot or a heavy touch would just fizzle that chance out time and time again. Yeah, there was just – there were only a couple chances created. I mean, just looking at the shot chart currently, we only had – about eight shots the entire game, most of those in the second half. There were very few shots made, and so many of them just weren't, weren't good enough. No, and, and Nashville, I think their record's a little misleading because you look at Nashville on paper and you're going to think they're not a great team, and, and they're not. They're not a great team, but uh, Nashville's defense is deceptively solid. Uh, I believe they're second in the Eastern Conference, only to us and goals against and they're not a team that's going to allow you a lot of scoring opportunities. So when you have an opportunity against a team like Nashville, you have to capitalize, and that is something that Crew was not doing. Crew had to be better in the, in the attacking third of capitalizing on the few chances that Nashville was going to give them. And that's, again, something when we don't see Z- uh, Zellerion and we don't see Darlington Nagby, the creativity is just not there. We're just we're – just, kicking balls down the field and hoping for the best. And that's not something we have seen when we had our full squad. Yeah. Uh, 
not to talk too much about Nashville specifically, but I, I would agree that the record is deceptive. And I think we're so used to expansion teams that are either so very good, like Atlanta or Seattle, or ones that are really terrible, like uh, our neighbors to the south. Um, but Nashville's like in this weird middle range where they right. kind of know what they're doing. And I still, for the life of me, can't believe that LAFC traded their best defender to them. But that's a conversation for another day. LAFC is not a team that cares about defending. <laughs> well, that is we'll, true. We'll talk about LAFC some other time. But LAFC's, uh, their whole play style is just score as many goals as they can. And hopefully they can't score as many as we did. So we go into halftime. You know, I've said it before on this podcast. Anybody who's a new listener, this isn't the show to listen to for me to break down every single play of the game. I don't. I don't think that's necessary. I want to tell you the, the major things that happened, the impactful things that happened, the things that just made a really big difference. And 45 minutes into the game, there's none of that for me to tell you. There's nothing major. There's nothing impactful. It was just kind of a dull 45 minutes. Going into halftime, though, thinking back on the half, there's a few, there's a few things that really jump out to me. And it's jumped out to me about the, the Columbus crew this year in general. We are a, a very good to great team. And a lot of teams have trouble figuring out how to defend when we do attack and we do attack well. And what we have seen starting to become a trend is they foul us a lot to stop us. And we are seeing that really affect us with uh, Zellerian missing as much time as he has. And now Nagby's missing time. And now Audie is missing time. And uh, man... If uh, Luis Diaz doesn't come out of this game with, with, a, with some bumps and bruises, I'll be shocked. He was getting knocked around the whole match, but that's something I was really uh, thinking about at halftime. It's just how much we are fouled and how much that's impacting us, especially now that we know we're on the second half of the season. Well, especially because when, when Nagby's playing, the, the main target of the fouling is Nagby. Without him in, almost everyone on the field was getting targeted tonight. I do like that, though, that a lot of the players seem to be fighting back this time. I mean, I think the crew had two or three yellow cards in the first half because they were actually deciding if the, if the other team is going to go in on us, we're going to go in on them. And I think it was a more aggressive approach that I actually think helped them stay in the game and not get tackled out of it. It is, it is a good point. We did fight back, but you have to be careful with that too because we saw uh, Abu Bakaida got in a little bit of a scuffle and he ends up pushing a Nashville player and he ends up getting a yellow card. Look, that's a yellow card's a yellow card, but when you're a center back and you're taking a yellow card, especially for a scuffle that's not in the course of play, that shows a lack of maturity that could cost you in the long run. A center back, you want to have that in your back pocket. You want to have the ability to play a little bit rough if you need to play a little bit rough. And if you're going to get a yellow card uh, from just a, a off the ball scuffle, that's, it, it's something that uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, not starting the next game. I, well, I would understand why Porter wouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt as, as a fan, I would give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's young, he's 19 or 20 now. Um, and just how good he is already is amazing, but he still has to, he still has to mature with those little bits. And I, I think he will. Um, it's just, a, it's just a stupid thing that happens. I think I wouldn't put too much into it unless of course you were Caleb Porter, which I don't think either of us are. <laughs> so as is often the case, the second half is where things really turn around. 
offensively for the Columbus crew and the goals just start coming. Uh, we had Jossie Zardes strip a Nashville defender and uh, man, it was a great strip and he just bursts away from him. He's in the attacking third already. He gets into the box and he takes the bullet. He ends up getting knocked down, but right before he gets knocked down, he passes it off to Santos. Santos takes a touch to get it under control and then off his left boot, which Santos is great at, bends it around two Nashville defenders into the top left of the goal. One nothing Columbus crew. God, it's like Pedro only scores goals like this. Like he, it's never a tap in. It's yeah. never like off a rebound. It's always like either outside the box or just in it. And it's like into that top corner. And it's just always such a good goal. Yes. I love when he provides this to with, us. With Pedro, it's either great goal or out of Montfrey Stadium miss. It's There's no oh. in between. But uh, go, I want to go back to uh, – Giassi Zardes' assist, really, because I think that was the more impressive part of it, was his strip tackle, essentially, of the Nashville defense. I mean, after the first half, I thought this was going to be one of Zardes' games, because he has them every once in a while, where he just he isn't working offensively. He's always right. putting in this defensive effort, though, and it really right. showed in this case, because it resulted in a goal. But And I think that's something he doesn't get enough credit for, of the defensive effort he puts into this team. No, and, you know, also talking about the assist, it's his second game with an, one assist and one goal, which is uh, very impressive with Jossie this year. He's really been able to uh, step into a role of, okay, I don't have Zalarian to feed me the ball. I don't have Nagby. I have to make some things happen. And uh, it's something we haven't seen Jossie do a whole lot in the past where Jossie's never been that playmaker. He's been great at getting into position. He's been great at scoring when the ball's been fed to him. But this year we're seeing Jossie step into a role of playmaker. And I don't know if it's having a team as good as he has right now has built that confidence for him. I'm not sure what exactly it is, but Jossie is on a different level this season than we're used to seeing Jossie. I I think it's finally the transition from Burhalter ball to Porter ball. I mean, under the old system of play that the crew had, that, that did work for us. Um, the striker didn't really have to put in a lot of work in like playmaking or chance creating. The chances would be created and the striker just had to be there to do it. Now though, it's a much more, it's a much more fluid tactic system. So players are able to roam and do what they think needs to be done to, uh, to help the team. And I think it's really helped Giassi in his playmaking ability. Yeah. Yeah. I, de I definitely agree. I think, I think like I, I I've said in a previous episode, I think frustration also does a lot to a player. And what we saw in previous years with Jossie is uh, we'd get a goal up and we'd lose that goal in the second half. And if you don't feel like you have a defense that has your back, it's probably going to affect your play style. This season, we've seen the exact opposite of what has uh, historically been a problem with crew, where if we go into a game ahead at halftime, we're probably going to blow that lead. And if we go into a game down at halftime, we're probably going to lose that game. So this year we've seen the second half Columbus crew owns the second half. I could go into a lot more instances where we had a, uh, we had some good buildups that didn't really go anywhere. We had Jossie with a good buildup and a layoff to Diaz. Diaz looks like he's going to get a shot on goal, but Dax McCartney credit words do he comes back and he comes sliding in a very crew style of uh, defense really. And just uh, knocks the ball out of bounds. Nothing to worry about for Nashville there. What I do want to talk about before we talk about the second goal, and there was a second goal, and it was glorious. <laughs> the crew 
And the dedication to defense this year on this team from every player, not just the defenders, is out of this world. I have just uh, – I, I write notes about things I, I think are noteworthy. And a lot of my notes today are Mensa goes in to clear with his head, takes a knee to the skull. Uh, Awful and Zimmerman knock heads. It, it just – a lot of notes about Columbus defenders – or Columbus midfielders, or Columbus attackers, anybody with Columbus, when Nashville has the ball, they are getting a body part in there. They are getting their head in there, no matter what the cost. Um, With Mensa, it looked really dangerous. Uh, Nashville had the ball right in front of goal, and Mensa just goes in head first towards Nashville's knees, and he takes a knee to the head. But it shows there's a reason we've allowed the, the least goals at, through 11 or 12 matches in MLS history. And it is this dedication to defense that we're seeing from Columbus this year. It doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter the pain. We're going for it. It is really amazing stuff because, I mean, three members of the defense normally in Valenzuela, uh, Mensa, and Awful have been here for a while now. And our, our defense hasn't always been this structurally sound. So it's just amazing to watch these players improve, especially because, I mean, two of those three aren't, there aren't, they aren't young players that can like change their whole game around necessarily on the fly, but they're still managing to learn, to fix their mistakes and just create the, one of the best defenses in league and team history. Yeah. And we see it the most in the captain. His, uh, his change and his style of play and his maturity that he's brought into his game. He's a whole different player than he was a few years ago when we brought him into Columbus. Gosh, yeah. I mean, I remember the year Mensa first got here, and I, he was still good, but there was just mistakes sometimes that you mm-hmm. just – you were like, what is going on? He didn't but, have a good balance between aggression and, uh, and playing conservatively, and he cost himself a lot. I, I remember he got red carded a lot when he first came over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been amazing to see him improve. And he's really, I think he's really become a fan favorite for, I mean, obviously being the club captain, but there's the work and dedication he's shown towards this team. Right. So the other thing I note in the second half before we get into that goal is uh, Eloy Room didn't have a great first half. Uh, there were a few times where Nashville would get a shot on goal or Nashville would be right in front of the goal box. And, uh, he wouldn't get the ball controlled. We saw him either punch the ball out or, or he'd deflect it, but he wouldn't get control over that ball. And it created a lot of chances where a better team than Nashville with a better attack would have scored, almost unquestionably would have scored. The second half, however, as is the case with most crew players, uh, something happens where he comes out and he's a whole different player. Uh, I think they had three shots on goal pretty close within each other and room handled them all and handled them like a pro. Yeah, I, I, I noticed this in the last game against Chicago because I, I don't think Room did super well on those goals. I think he's – because he's not necessarily challenged as much as he would have been like last year or under like a just league average defense. I think he's just a little bit rusty in the first half, might not be up to some of the challenges, but he, he really grows into the game. I mean, he had two really big saves – in the second half, one that was like point blank range, like a foot in front of him. And he just, he just shut it down. And it's, it's amazing to see these saves he can come up with. Cause I mean, there's so many keepers in the league that just would not be able to make some of the most basic saves. And he just makes these insane ones all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was uh, big shoes to fill when Zach Steffen left and Eloy Room has filled those shoes. So the 69th minute, what we've all been waiting for, the return of Lucas Zellerion. Now, nice. the reason I bring it up now is he was uh, – Maybe a secondary assist to the goal. Uh, Zellerion uh, lays off the ball to Artur. Artur crosses the ball into Jossie. Now, Jossie is the master this year of just really weird goals. Um, this is a audio medium, so I'll explain it the best I can. Jossie jumps up. The ball goes in behind Jossie. Uh, not directly into his butt like we saw last week, but it goes behind his legs. Jossie gets his right foot bent around his back and taps the ball in to the goal with his right foot behind his back. It's when you saw it happen, it almost looked accidental in the replay. It looks like a phenomenal goal. So I don't, maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Maybe it was an accidental phenomenal goal, but either way, two nothing crew, Jossie's ninth for the season. He's now only one goal behind Diego Rossi in the MLS Golden Boot race. It was a beautiful goal. Yeah, Giassi is the master of these weird goals. I mean, people that watch him play on the national team, I don't think he scored a normal goal for the U.S. ever, um, which some people use to criticize him. But I think it's, it's amazing just what he comes up with to score these things sometimes. Uh, it's really, really amazing stuff. So we have another crew win. We are now eight wins, three draws, one loss, and we are again five points ahead of the second place team, that being Orlando City, which what is happening there? I don't understand it. Uh, Also of note, for the first time in in club history, Columbus has now won all five of their first home games. So uh, again, this team just keeps making history. That's just what we do in 2020 is we make history. I mean, it's been amazing to see people just like show the stats of this season in comparison to others. I mean, this is obviously a weird year and a weird season, but just looking at, I mean, the year we won MLS Cup in 2008, nowhere near as good this defensive level or like winning games like this in a row at home to the next, and none of our supporter shield seasons were like that. Even 2015, it wasn't like this. It's really it's really special to watch this team. Play. It is, and there's a debate to be had another day about whether this team's really making history or whether that history should come with an asterisk. Because if we look back over the course of this season and the 12 matches we've played, we do see that we've played FC Cincinnati a lot. We've played Chicago Fire a lot. We've played Nashville. We've played subpar teams with very little uh, real competition. Whereas we have teams in the West. We have LA Galaxy. We have LAFC. We have Minnesota. We have these uh, tough teams in the West that we're getting to avoid for the most part. Now, we do have Minnesota coming up. But it begs the question of, does this season come with an asterisk? Now, that's not the nature of the post-game show, so we'll have that debate some other day. Uh, and I know I, I bring this up with the uh, risk of being called a wet blanket, but it is, a, it is a discussion to be had. We can only play what MLS puts in front of us. We, we can't do anything about it. That is true. 
That and is if, if they want us to play FC Cincinnati 15 more times and beat them 15 <laughs> more times, I'm all for it. Personally. And if it comes with a negative asterisk, it also comes with the positive asterisk of we play a lot of games in short order. There are multiple games within a week, and Columbus has found a way to overcome injuries, overcome exhaustion, overcome those odds, missing out on players like Nagby, missing players like Zellerion, missing Vito Warmhor for the entire season. And we have put together the best stretch of games in Columbus crew history. So I think we pretty much covered the game. I think we wrapped it up pretty well. I would say so. So we're going to get into our next segment of the night. It's, it's a, uh, I'm going to clarify something real quick. Columbus crew is the greatest team the world's ever seen. So you don't get to play for the crew. If you're not an elite caliber of player, you have to be the best to play for the crew. So with that said, it's time to give our best, best player of the match and our worst, best player of the match. Drew, who was your best, best player of the match? Um, you know, it wasn't really sealed until like the last minute, but it's Giasse Zardes. I mean, his assist and his takeaway to provide for the first goal was excellent. It's just the type of stuff you want out there. And then the, the goal at the end, such a Giasse goal. And it was just, it was a perfect seal on a, no offense to the game, a generally mediocre MLS game. But it was, he was probably the most fun player out there to watch. And he, I, he helped the team the most on the field tonight. I don't like agreeing with my co-host, but there's really <laughs> no question tonight. It was Jossie Zardes. Uh, one assist, one goal. Again, Jossie's making a difference. Jossie's scoring goals. He's second in the MLS Golden Boot race. It's going to be hard in games like this to not give it to Jossie Zardes. Who else, who else deserves it tonight? You know, Pedro Santos had a goal, but uh, Jossie did the work. And uh, so Jossie is also my best, best player of the match. Now, something I have yet to even figure out, so I'm glad you have to go first. Who's your worst, best player of the match? Okay, so I, I want to preface this by I, I don't – really want to label them in the worst terms, but in just one that I think needs improvement. Um, I took notes on all of the players. Some of them I, I didn't write a lot down for, but Luis Diaz, I wrote like a paragraph of notes for because there's just, he's good. He's fast. He generally knows what he's doing. And there were times during the game where he got good passes in that almost made it to Giasi, which could have gotten us some more goals. But there were just times where like, there was a breakaway in the first half that did end up being offside, but he just hesitates and waits too long, wants to beat the keeper. Otherwise, there would have been a goal in the first half. And he really needs to work on shooting on target. And maybe I really love – that he's the type of player that's not afraid to take these out there shots, but just they're not, he hasn't worked it out just enough yet to get in there. And I'm, I'm assuming the coaching staff are working on it with them, but he, he needs to improve that if he's going to continue to be like the starting winger on the right wing of the field. Yeah. And like you said, uh, it was offside uh, the first half goal that he took too many or too many touches on and ended up, uh, not getting the goal in, but whether you're offside or not, those are the chances you need to convert. Those are the things you need to turn into goals against a team like Nashville, who's not going to give you a whole lot of shots. So I can't argue with uh, Luis Diaz being your worst best player of the match. Although um, 
I warn you, Thomas Costello might be sending you hate mail as we speak. Uh, he's welcome to. I'm going to, again, I don't like to agree with my co-host, so my worst best player in the match I'm giving to Abubakaida. Uh, reason being, early in the game we saw him uh, give a bad ball away in our defensive half of the field. Very reminiscent of the ball he gave away against New York City that led to the goal that led to our first loss. So a little PTSD kicked in there, uh, and I I think he was sealed as my worst best player right there because it reminded me that of the goal. Now, look, everybody's going to make mistakes, and everybody's going to give up a goal every once in a while. His just so happened to be the one that is the blemish on our record. So that's that's a tough thing to be saddled with. But what really sealed it for me with him being the, the worst for me tonight was the scuffle we talked about. If you're a center back, if you're a key piece of our defense, and you're playing a team that continues to get balls crossed in front of our goal, you cannot be on a yellow card because you can't control your temper when we're not even in the course of play. So because of that and because of uh, – Just to me, the immaturity that showed, which this has been a team that plays very mature, uh, that's why he got my worst best. But, you know, it's not a terrible performance. And like you said, he is young. And uh, like I said, it it might be unfair to hold that one goal against him for the rest of this year. But as long as that remains our only loss, I don't know that I could not. I was going to say, I was hoping you had more than a reason besides a, a mistake that didn't even lead to a goal in this game to <laughs> crucify him. But um, no, I, I, I can't disagree with those arguments. But also, I mean, both the players we mentioned, they're young. They're, they generally are improving every, every extra minute of game time they get. So, I'm, I mean, we didn't have to name any of the, like, big names like Pedro or Giassi or most of the defensive line. So I think that's a pretty good, good thing. And it's been young guys. Uh, our worst best has, it tends to stick to the younger players and, and that's to be expected, you know, and you have the veterans, you have the guys like Mensa, the guys like room, the guys like Jossie, the guys like Pedro that are composing themselves and keeping these games together and leading to the Columbus crew being the king of the second half, which is, just the greatest feeling ever as a crew fan where we have seen so many seasons. You and I talked before the pod about the 2016 season. We have seen so many seasons where uh, these second half goals just derail our playoff hopes. And this year we, we might not be the first half champions. We might not be coming out and starting these games strong, but we are finishing them on our terms and we are finishing them strong. Yeah. The the team really grows into the game. thrilled that it's not like last year where in like the 88th minutes you give up an equalizer and then two minutes later we're losing so it's just such a great feeling to see this team be good like they should be always they should always be this good you just love to see it love to see it all right well drew you were the best best co-host of the night and you've earned yourself a plug why don't you tell these people where they can find you uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Drooble Drew. Uh, God, I, saying it out loud, it's a terrible Twitter. <laughs> it's but I, awful. I'm not, but I'm not changing it because I'm committed to it. Um, Fair enough. Beyond that, you can find my writings on Massive Report. I don't have a podcast, so the only time you'll ever hear me is when I'm on here. 
All right. Well, I do have a podcast, and you can follow that podcast on Twitter at Crew Review Pod. Uh, you can also email us your feedback at crewreviewpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Like us, subscribe to us, review us, and you can find me personally at Andrew Atkins SC on Twitter. For all your crew news, updates, and analysis, go to massivereport.com and follow them on Twitter at Massive Report. So our next matchup is against Minnesota United. That is Wednesday. Drew, what are your predictions for that matchup? Okay, so before the show started, I was going to say we lose this game, but then I went out there and made a prediction that we won't lose any games the rest of the year. (laughs) So I'm in a bit of a pickle. Um, I think Porter and the team will have learned from the the – loss at MLS is back. Um, so I'm going to go three, two crew. Wow. Three, two crew, huh? Yeah. You, uh, you're more myself into it. You're more confident than me. I think this is where the crew get tested. Now I think we're, I think we're a great team this year. So I think we're going to handle these tests, but I, I don't have that much confidence. I don't have three, two confidence. <laughs> I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw and, uh, and just hope that I'm wrong. I will say mine hinges on Zellerion starting. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. Okay, so that's a, that's a whole other conversation we could have, uh, predictions with or without Darlington Nagby. Oh, but, but we're not going to do that, so oh, we'll just go 1-1. We'll with predictions out of the way, we're going to get into our final segment, something I call hashtag – my crew review, where I invite you, the listeners, to review the game on Twitter, and we will read your reviews live on air. And guess what, Drew? This is a very special day. We have my crew reviews. See? Oh yeah. Last week, it was only used specifically to make fun of me. <laughs> so I considered just doing away with the segment as a whole, so that Thomas didn't have an opportunity to keep calling me a wet blanket on a weekly basis. But we have them. So the first My Crew review comes from Sean Lynch at Thugbone99 on Twitter. He says, great game, great defense, and goalkeeping. We should have scored more, had a few more chances. Uh, something Porter said going into halftime, he was very frustrated. He, uh, he said we should have been up 2-0 at halftime. Well, he looked so mad this entire game. <laughs> Porter always looks mad, even if we're winning. There, uh, so there was then, a time, though, he was on a whole other level of mad this game. <laughs> Going back to my career review, we got Bryant and me at Bryant and me on Twitter. Great podcast. You should check them out. Love the guts on this team. They keep fighting even when they're not playing well. Really fun to watch. That's a great point. Uh, Then we have Aaron Williams at Olivia's dad, 17 on Twitter, said, good performance, chippy game. Jossie's work rate created the first. Good counter for the second. That's what good teams do. They create chances from defensive positions. Philly Steve at Scott Gorsling says, great win, a little nervous in the second half, felt like the play was all in our back half, would have loved more control on the ball, but we did what was needed to win. Then we go to Zachary Martin, Rye Tribe 22 on Twitter said, can't we all agree that the crew are winning it all this year? You're not getting any argument here. Columbus is the greatest team the world has ever seen. I've said it from before the season started, and I'll continue to say it. We're winning the Cup. We're winning the Supporter Shield, and we are sending Montfrey Stadium out in style. 
I respect the confidence. And the last My Crew review we have is from Pro Wrestling Apologist at PW Apologist. And they ask, you tried those new spicy nugs from McDonald's yet? Not even Eloy Room can keep this delicious treat from flying into my mouth. <laughs> Does that count as a sponsorship? I, I think I, I think, <laughs> I think McDonald's has to pay me now. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for the uh, crew reviews. I really appreciate it. And Drew, thank you so much for being here. I hope you had a great time. Anytime. It was a lot of fun. It was a blast. As always, for Massive Report, I'm Andrew Atkins, and this has been The Crew Review. Glory to Columbus. Go crew. And we will see you next time when we review. Review.